Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Collective Podcast. This is going to be episode 219 with Thomas Dubois, who is a visual develop artist, and he's also an art director and an architect. Uh, I found or came across Thomas's work organically on the internet. I can't remember exactly where and how, um, but I was really taken aback by the cinematic quality and the painterly quality and just the overall feel to his work and um, I just knew he would be an awesome guest to have on and it was just really great the conversation we just got really into a lot of interesting things and um, talked about the essence of reading books and something that I personally have had a struggle with reading physical books over the years because um, it kind of just puts me to sleep and um, and that could just be me not reading the right books or me just (laughs) working too much but we talked a little bit about that and that was really cool it reaffirms to me that how important it is as a, as a creative to do so and how important it is for your mind to do so. Um, one of the, the key themes here in this in this episode that I think it, it kind of resonates if you listen to this show, it's a common theme, but it's, it's really about finding yourself and your passion. And Thomas talks a bit about that and some recent really beautiful success that he's been having, um, which is awesome. And it makes me very happy to hear. Um, and also his love and connection to architecture and, and his step into making films and his passion for filmmaking and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just a it's a, it's a shorter episode, um, but it's it's a really great one. And I hope you all enjoy it. And I just want to thank, again, thank Thomas for coming on. So uh, let's begin, everybody. This is going to be episode 219. Let's roll. always love to understand kind of what got you started in art. I think art is such a, an interesting path for somebody. Um, and usually from my experience, it comes from, um, like a family member or somebody that kind of showed you something, um, early on or you saw something. So, I mean, and it's also like a, a long process, you know, to get, to become an artist, uh, to be one that has uh, a, a capability and a style to manage to like display that it takes a long time as you know so um mm. where did it start for you um well interesting question i think uh, as far as i can remember i've always uh, loved uh always been attracted by stories mm. and um uh, it came from, I think my mother, uh, she used to paint a lot and draw a lot. I think in a way when I saw from very young her drawing and her painting, I think you try to, in a way when you are very young, mimic sometimes the parents. And uh, But yeah, as far as I can remember, I've always loved uh, stories and my medium at that time, when I was very young, was uh, drawing um, or writing and uh, playing. So I felt that it started from uh, very young to me. I didn't know it was art, but I knew that creating uh, adventure story and character was something that is uh, was in me and is still in me, actually. And so did you, were you like reading a lot of books and stuff growing up or was there a particular story that you really 
um, that your imagination went through? I, I think, yeah, I, I still read a lot of books. Yeah. Something that I really love and enjoy. And uh, actually, I did some uh, studies in uh, high school or college. I don't know. The thing before university is uh, high school or college in America. Uh, yeah, high school. High school, yeah. Mm -hmm. I always uh, switch confused. But uh, yeah, in high school, you have to choose a specialty in France. Mm. And I choose, I was in literature, specialty literature and philosophy. So it's something that uh, I always love, uh, books and from very young. And I think also was deeply impacted by some movies and some games, some video games also. Mm. Yeah, that's something that very young was impactful to me. Yeah, I find that that's actually a kind of a common thread after doing so many episodes together. Like it's um, a common thread with most creatives is they love stories or they were really um, heavy readers as kids. Um, and I think that it does something to our mind where it activates um, like your imagination in a really beautiful yeah, way. Um, clearly it's a stimulation for the imagination. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really does something interesting. And it's something that... Um, I don't do enough myself and it's actually reminds me when I do it, like how important it is. I feel mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, I almost overdo the other side of things where I watch things too much and I don't allow myself to sit and read a book and kind of process the imagery in my head and, and let my mind stimulate that. And it's, it's a yeah. really, it's a really important so, part to being creative. It's, I think. It's, different, um, it's a different gymnastic of the mind in a way, yeah. you know, and I think it helps me a lot. I, I look for a lot of inspiration and I can find a lot of inspiration in books. Yeah, it's, it's really great. I wonder what it is that it's doing. It seems like it's really exercising a certain part of the mind that um, is, mm -hmm. is flexing the idea of like manifestation. Um, it's almost like inception or something. Like if we were yeah. to visualize it, it's like inside your mind you have these abilities to conceive and build out new worlds and depending on how good the author connects with you when they write something you can like visualize it and that's really that's when that happens i think that's a really power powerful thing um yeah and i guess maybe sometimes uh the less you show the more you see in a way mm. by that i mean if you watch a, a movie that is very um is showing a lot a lot of stuff on the screen a lot, the less you have to uh, work in a way or um, stimulate your mind to imagine what is not on the screen. And when you read a book, uh, you don't see anything. So, I mean, nothing is shown to you, visually speaking, but you can see a lot of stuff through the text, which is, yeah, a, a, a gymnastic of the mind that is very interesting. Yeah. Is there a particular author or um, um, title of book that you really enjoy or found to give you like high stimulus? Mm. I think, uh, yeah, um, mm, there is a lot. So it's difficult to, to pick a name, I guess. Yeah, uh, Jules Verne was and still is um, an interesting author with so many masterpieces. Do you know Jules Verne? Maybe the one who wrote uh, twenty 
thousand miles under the sea. I don't know if it's a name in English. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Jules Verne. So, yeah. What? Jules Verne is that his name? Jules Verne. Yeah. Yeah, Jules Verne. Yeah. yeah. My accent is French, so. Oh, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Again, it's totally fine. Sure. My accent is English. Yeah. Oh, okay, I've never read Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. It's really good. It's. Um, I would say that now, if you read it, it can be a bit boring because there is a lot of uh, description in the text. Because mm. that time, at his time, he was like um, a visionary in a way. So a lot of description of species under the sea, of vegetation under the sea, of um, sometimes landscape of the Nautilus itself. So it can be very long, the description part of the book, but the rest, the adventure is quite cool. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of, uh, yeah, creates something in me about imagination, about the possibility to uh, travel and live some adventures in a way. Mm -hmm. I think is is I think also about uh, Baudelaire, a French poet, uh, who I was deeply moved by uh, Les Fleurs du Mal in French and in English that could be The Flowers of Evil, maybe. I don't know if there is even a, a translation in English, but Baudelaire was, uh, is very famous and was really beautiful. And um, maybe someone you can know is Barjavel. Do you know the author Barjavel? No, what's that? Uh, may maybe I do. Uh, from uh, not this century, but 20th century, uh, like a sci-fi author in a way, uh, who wrote like um, La Nuit des Temps, which be the night of times or the end of times, something like that. Barjavel, <clears throat> a great author, really powerful. I'm looking at it. Really? Let's see. The end of time book. So um, I'm not sure if it's the translation in English, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they translate probably differently, but uh, it's probably, yeah, yeah. If you if you wouldn't mind, uh, myself and I'm sure everybody else in the that's listening to would love if you could send me some links. We'll put it in the show notes for the episode because we're oftentimes yeah. sharing books and resources and stuff. And um, yeah, I think it really helps because we all, a lot of us, I think that listen to this either read or are actively listening to books quite often. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, sure. yeah, yeah, I've, I, I, there is something really interesting about reading or listening to books or like getting your mind in that space, um, and exercising that part of your mind. Um, mm. I think the thing mm. is it's somewhat of a discipline if you don't do it. So it's like, it just takes time and effort to really shut out. Like, especially now, I think more than ever, um, I think back in the time before say like Netflix and binge watching and all this stuff, which mm. I think that has a place as well. I, I just feel like reading books and stuff is kind of taken to the side, just like you explained like Jules Verne when he would describe things. And I, I had the same kind of exhaustion when I would listen or read um, um, Neuromancer. There's so okay. much description that it it's kind of becomes very dry because that yeah. becomes about like describing a world rather than telling me like what's happening, you know, um, okay. it's more like what you see almost, which is kind of, it's kind of a catch 22 issue because it's like, he's trying to explain an abstract world that doesn't exist. Mm. Um, but then it kind of loses interest almost because of what it is, you know? So, um, 
but uh yeah um yeah i'm i'm pretty but for me it's like i'm pretty picky about books and i usually i I try to i try to stick with it but then if it doesn't hook me after like maybe like yeah of course 20 pages or so i'm like okay i gotta stop this and go to the next one so (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, totally it's um i love that i love also the fact that if you want to read a book you have to it's a decision Mm. you make time to read a book you cannot read a book and do something else at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. And you can watch a movie and do something else at the same time. You can listen to a book and do something else at the same time, right? Yeah. And I like the fact that you to focus on one thing. I think to pay really attention into one thing, I think it creates more, to me, uh, it creates something more, powerful to me. I like the fact that I made the decision to spend, let's say, an hour and read. You know? Yeah. So this time is really important. Yeah. Do you read daily? I think yes. Hmm. Yes. Not one hour daily, <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's uh, good. But daily, yeah. yeah Especially at night. Yeah, before you go to sleep, you you get into it. That's smart. I think that yeah. really, I think that activates yeah. a lot of good things. I think it's a smart thing to do. Yeah, exactly. I I with my girlfriend we try to cut from the screen mm. when we are in the let's say the bedroom, right? Sure. And from a certain hour, we try to say, okay, stop, no more screen. We spend all day in front of the screen. <laughs> yeah. Because of everything. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's cool to go back to just a book with paper and letters. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's also, like you said, it's um, when you're watching TV, you can have like your phone out and you could be like, yeah. you know, connecting with a million people online and all that kind of stuff. But when you're in your, when you're reading, it's like, you literally can only do that one thing. And I think that's probably what the struggle is with a lot of people is that they only can do that one thing, you know? Um, and it's hard to have that discipline to do so, um, because you want to do so many other things, you know? So, yeah. And I think maybe for me, it's all, it also helps when I create projects, Mm. I like to focus on this really focus, really to pay attention on one thing as much as I can, but of course, sometimes you get easily distracted by many things. But I think I like this moment when I'm really focused on one thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's really um, an enjoyable moment of pure, let's say, creation or pure attention. Yeah, it's re- it really is because you're really in the moment of like just manifesting that only, you know, which is great. About your um, your work, I think the first thing I saw of yours was the Project Blue. I think that was it. It was mm. really beautiful. It was a beautiful, like, kind of a story about, well, I'll let you explain it to the listeners, but it was like the, I'm curious about kind of the impetus, like the orig- origin of it and why you decided to do it and kind of your thought I, process. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Mm, um, this one came from the idea of um, 
I wanted to learn uh, storyboarding and uh, the possibility of with images to create a story and almost create, I would say, uh, emotions. And it was at the beginning more an, an exercise, a way to learn new techniques and stuff like that. And it ended up being uh, a short story of, um, I, I guess, 20 images, something like that. And I like to uh, use projects to learn new things and to challenge myself. Yeah. So I repeated this exercise several times with different projects. And um, yeah, that's how it started, I think. Mm. Plus the fact that I love space and <laughs> astronauts and science fiction, that's, it's obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I have the same uh, approach with projects. It's like I do them to better myself in the best yeah. ways because it's it's almost like reading a book. Like if you decide to do that, then that's like opening a book, and yeah. you got to sit with it and really live with it. And it's right in front of your face, and then you see all your weaknesses uh, instantly yeah. because they're right in front of you, and you can't hide from them, and so you have to face them. <laughs> yeah, so, you have to solve problems all the time. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. So storyboarding was something that you wanted to do. Is that something that you're wanting to do professionally or is that something that you have been doing or? Well, I, um, I don't come from, uh, um, entertainment industry or, uh, things like that. I'm, I'm an architect. Mm. I did architecture studies. Um, I think, uh, when I was in high school, I was, I wanted to be a, like a writer or work in literature or something like that, but I was drawing a lot, a lot all the time. And my philosophy teacher at the time introduced me to architecture and said to me that you can tell stories with architecture. And I think she, f she felt at that time that it can be something uh, good for me, architecture. So I, I was lucky enough to uh, visit the University of Architecture and I fell in love with architecture. I, well, actually, I think I fell in love with the process of making architecture, which to me is way more interesting than architecture as a finished piece. And um, I fell in love with the process. And so I studied, I did the studies of architecture where you learn a lot of different things, a lot of different things in different fields. You, you basically, you learn how to create a project with many different constraints from uh, economical constraints, technical, cultural, artistic, um, legal constraints, a lot of constraints. As an and as an architect, you have to be able to um, communicate a vision create a project and communicate a vision that uh, to a team and at the end to a client. So it was really, really interesting uh, studies. I become, I also had the chance uh, to learn a lot of different things like photography, like analog photography, because in the university I was, we had um, something, I guess, that is called a dark room. You know where you yeah. you do your own films in photography yeah. with the different liquids and stuff like that. And I, 
I guess I spent hours and hours and days <laughs> into the learning uh, lights because it's almost magic when you are in this room and you start to see your photo appears on the paper. It's a magic moment. So I spent hours like that learning a bit of 3D and different things actually in architecture. That's why architecture is really cool. And so I became an architect, which was not my plan at the beginning, <laughs> but I became an architect. Mm. And uh, I guess uh, to be back to your question is, I think during my studies, I had this uh, intuition in the back of my mind that architects and filmmakers or storytellers are sort of brothers in a way. Um, I think they share the same mindset about the process, about the capacity of uh, seeing the small scale of a thing and the big scale at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, the micro and the macro at the same time. And the capacity of communicating a vision to a team and basically to create a story. So I said to myself, okay, I'm going to be an architect. I'm going to practice, practice as an architect. And on the side, I'm going to learn composition, drawings, 3D. And eventually one day something will happen. So, and someday some, something happened. Sure. <laughs> so what was that? Oh, um, um, I was contacted by a, a director that I truly admire, mm. which was out of nowhere. But I received a message in the morning from um, <clears throat> Gareth Edwards. Nice. Yeah. He's the director yeah. of Rogue One. and um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a Monsters. funny story. Yeah, Monster, his first movie. It's a funny story because we... At that time, we just moved into uh, a new home with my girlfriend and the, the house was full of boxes and I have a room that is my, um, I call it my studio, you know, when I, where I work, work and it was full of boxes and I was uh, just the computer, I had just the computer on the desk and I was like cleaning everything and I he did a talk in, um, in Los Angeles. I think just after the release of Rogue One, in an event called uh, SXWV, uh, something like that. Yeah, at South by Southwest. It's a really great talk. It's one of my favorites. He talks yeah, about how he became uh, the director yeah. of... Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it several times, and yeah, I same. found this talk very inspiring. Very inspiring. Yeah, and creates hope, basically, for... <laughs> aspiring uh, creative guy. So I was watching this talk to kind of have the right energy in my new place. And one week later, he sent me a message. So it was like, wow, I could read it at the beginning. It was very, it was a key moment for me. Yeah, I could see that. So it's very, it's a very ironic thing. He, you are watching this, you're watching the video and then a week later he, he contacts you. Yeah, and so cool. we we discuss a lot. We had a lot of a long conversation, and basically, I realized that my intuition that I I had during my studies that architects and filmmakers are sort of brothers uh, 
is quite true actually mm. so i was happy that's super cool and then i worked with him i still work with him so yeah cool <laughs> it was awesome. a key moment well i was wondering about him in particular because i know that making rogue one was quite challenging um from just from an outside knowing a little bit about the production of it and um and kind of studying him a little bit just knowing his style and his approach um which is cool like he has a i really admire the idea that he uh, i think a lot of us have a parallel to his story if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to his talk by uh it's at south by uh sx sxsw uh, yeah. talk with gareth edwards it's really really great because he kind of breaks down um, his trials and tribulations his struggles and t- to get to where he was and and how uh, exactly. it continued on but my question after that was okay that's really great that you managed to do this it's incredible and very um very amazing but at the same time he's so young and it's like i'm curious to see like where he goes beyond you know the 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 world of disney and all that kind of stuff you know like i'm curious if he comes back to doing his own films and um, takes his risks again and kind of pushes that because it seems like first and foremost he's always just going to be a creative person and and that's really what he's possessed by yeah yeah um yeah, but I can't say nothing, of course. Sure. But um, tell me all the details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 one thing I can say is is one of the nicest people I ever met. Yeah. I I was in uh, Los Angeles this summer for some meetings and some um, kind of sort of days off, also, and I was lucky enough to spend the day with him. And because you know when you work especially nowadays, you can work with uh, people all around the world through uh, Skype, like we're we're doing now, and uh, through emails and stuff like that. But meeting the people in real is always something very, very cool. Yeah. Very interesting. And so I was lucky enough to meet him and spend a day with him. And he's very, very nice. He's very smart, of course. (laughs) Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, always. But yeah, he's very, very nice and very creative. So I learned a lot, so many things. Yeah, I can uh, imagine. Just discussion with him, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. No, it's really cool and it's it's great to hear that. I'm happy, to, I'm happy for you and that's really, I think it sounds like a perfect situation because um, you you follow your passion, you put your art out there and then the right people connect with it and that's it's really what you want in life. I think, you know, is like just connecting with the right people and, um, making art with people that you have fun doing it with. I think that's really important, you know? So, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think, uh, creating projects, even small projects with a team is like enrolling into a boat with some people and going and say like, we have these coordinates, let's go there. And I don't know how, uh, I don't know how many times, but let's try to reach that destination. So you have to, uh, in a way, be comfortable with the people you are with, of course. Yeah. Unless, uh, yeah, the journey is going to be difficult. <laughs> yeah, it really is. If you're not 
in a good place with your team or yourself, you know? So you have to first know yourself before you know others. I think that that's something that I think, um, yeah, it takes quite, quite some time. Yeah. It takes a bit of effort. Um, with your work, there's a really great appeal in my mind, uh, just being an artist myself as I really love your approach of kind of, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's like, I'm a big fan of like, um, Ian Francis, you know who Ian Francis is? Um, he's, I think he's a UK painter. It's very good. Um, okay. He has this really beautiful way of like taking reality and then leaving parts of it out and then like following rules of perspective and, and light that, that mimic reality. And then it falls away into this really beautiful piece it's he's almost like an artist artist if that makes sense like he's somebody that the artist really love because he lets you finish the the painting and the idea so um mm. and there's a there's a quality to his work that i feel is akin or close to your approach as well is there mm. when you're when you're going after making a piece and this is just for your own not for like a, say a, a collaboration with somebody like gareth or something if you're just making something for your own self are you are you thinking about, are you seeing the end result in your mind or are you kind of going along the ride of just being abstract and okay in that place or how, how does it work for you? Hmm. Yeah. The process. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's different things at the same time, I guess. I'm always chasing something at the beginning, but I don't know what it is exactly. I think, at the beginning, I do a lot of, well, if it is a painting, like a painting I do for fun, it's more like uh, a fun moment of uh, pure, uh, let's say, creation, having fun with corals and stuff like that. If it's a more uh, elaborate project that involves a story, several images, or uh, even a, a film or stuff like that, I think I... I do a lot of research at the beginning. I have some ideas that I write down and I do a lot of research. Uh, then I I think I explore. I'm like wandering around these ideas, even if I don't produce anything. It's unconsciously in my mind, it's working, you know? Yeah. Uh, with those research and those kind of exploration around it. And there is a moment where I start to produce things like different pieces of a puzzle. And then I, I think I, I kind of took a step back to it and kind of uh, make the composition of everything. So I cannot say that in advance at the beginning, I know the destination. I think I know the direction. I know the boat I'm going to be in, but I don't know exactly the destination, right? Mm. If you know what I mean. I don't know if it is very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a common thing, actually. And it's actually good to know that because some creatives, they know the destination instantly because they feel it, see it, and, and believe it inside their mind. But there's also, I think, a different approach as well, which is that you don't know it and you're willing to kind of take a a leap and a risk and there's like these moments of whimsy and and uh 
um, abstraction that occurs. Um, yeah, which I, I think that's something that uh, architecture, I learned from architecture when I was architect, mm. is you cannot have all the answers at the beginning of a project. And actually, you should not have all of them. You, you need to leave a room for the future of the project, in a way. The possibility of uh, the project to evolve differently, maybe, because of different constraints or different ideas that comes in the project after. So you don't have all the answers at the beginning. And I think, yeah, I learned that from architecture is you have to accept that you don't have all the answers now, but at the end of the project, you will have it, <laughs> but you have to trust uh, the process in a way. Yeah. That's interesting. I like their approach though. And you do have to trust your process. You really do. Um, there is a thing I, I, it's something I fight against a lot is, um, you know, process over results or process over anything else. I think there's a I call it like process porn. Like everybody is so obsessed with what program you use, what brush you used. And, um, and although that's really, I think there's an importance to it. I don't know if I find that it's as important as what people think it to be. Um, and there's a, I was actually, this is something I'm curious about what you're being online and stuff is, um, when you're sharing your work and somebody asks you, Hey, what brush did you use or what program? Um, mm -hmm. how, how is it for you when, when you read something like that? Do you like, what's your response? Like, like a natural, real, honest, internal response. Mm. I think the, <clears throat> the first time someone asking me that it was curious because to me, of course, uh, the tool is extremely important, but I think you can uh, leave a painter, uh, a brush, or just a pencil. A good painter will always do something great, right? The tool is, it's difficult. It's always finding a balance between the tool and what you want to do with it. So I always answer, but I think my process is also very uh, personal in a way that it's something very intimate, you know? Yeah. Because it's a moment I love when I'm in the process of creating a project, then I share it if I have to share it or if I want to share it. But sometimes I think to not share it is not bad. It's, uh, also, I think a magician doesn't not, that not share, it doesn't share on the process of creating the magic trick, right? Yeah. And that's why it's magic. So sometimes not sharing the process is not bad, but I don't know. It depends. I guess it depends. Yeah. I have a, I struggle with it because I feel like if you share too much, there's a, a saying that my friend told me, I don't know where he got it, but he was saying, my buddy Nate so told me that if you want to be unique, you share nothing, but if you want to be followed or like have a, an audience and you share everything or something like that. Like, or if you want, like, and it was interesting the way he said it because it's quite true too. But I, my, my worry is always that let's say even for now, like with my photography, people are always asking me, Hey, what lens did you use? And the question mm -hmm. should be is like, I guess, why are you shooting that? I guess if that's makes sense, it's more like, um, cause the bigger question is, it's not even about the equipment at this point, especially with the technologies. So almost all cameras are pretty strong, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I, instead of telling them 
the the thing exactly i feel like it's almost more important for them to find their own thing you know like something that stimulates them and makes them happy you know so and the thing is also if you know the process would it change the way you see the piece mm-hmm. or, i mean i think it does right it has to it has to but is it a good thing or not in a way yeah. because as an artist when you produce a piece a photo a painting a film uh, the result is interesting and sometimes some a lot of people doesn't know the process and sometimes if you know the process it can change the way you see the artist and the piece itself so it's kind of yeah it's a struggle sometimes to explain everything or not well i really want to share everything because i feel like um naturally i love to give and i feel like it's a, it's really good for the community and just everybody in general yeah. but at the yeah. same time sometimes i feel like it's actually bad because it's like you're you're letting people at the the most important stage, which is like curiosity and, and their own judgment. You're, you're telling them what you did, which kind of doesn't allow them to find it themselves, you know, which is, can be a big problem, I feel. so. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And it makes me think of something is, um, um, I was deeply impacted by some games and I'm picking up one, like Metal Gear Solid from um, Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, I think it was uh, the episode number two, like Metal Gear Solid 2 or something like that. There was a DVD with the making of of the game. And I spent hours watching it, watching it. And that was something that motivates me to create, again, stories and to create, basically. Mm. So, yeah, showing process and looking at process is really interesting. But there is also this struggle that it's difficult sometimes to explain the process. Yeah, I think yeah, because um, it's it's um, it's something I fight with a lot because I you know I look at like um, Steven Spielberg doesn't do commentaries, director commentaries, and he and and as much as I would imagine he he seems like a person that would love to share the art and the love of what he does because mm-hmm. he he seems very approachable and he just seems like a great person. Um, yeah. I don't know him personally, so I don't know, but, um, but like, it's probably gotta be a struggle for him because I'm sure that he would love to be like, Oh, and that shot was really inspired by this. And this was my intuition and this and that, but he doesn't. And I think that's what makes his work even better because we don't know what was in his head. So we kind of yeah. put, we project our own mind into, into it, you know? So yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that's really important, you know, so because if you don't yeah. have that, if you leave that, I think it's, um, it causes a problem. So, and on the other side, I have, um, these days and well, it's been a while actually, I'm obsessed with the work of, uh, David Fincher. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen some, um, commentary, commentary on his movies, right? Yeah. And um, it's really, it's fascinating the way he explained things. It's, I mean, this guy is fascinating on yeah. many levels. <laughs> so, he's very smart, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He's also very passionate too. And um, he has a lot of, 
he has a lot of knowledge and he's very open about sharing it, which is very yes. rare. I think that's why I think a lot of us gravitate towards him. He's one of the pinnacle key directors of our time that is accessible mm -hmm. almost. And I think that's what makes him um, so revered. I think, you know, like he's so highly revered because of that aspect, you know? So, yeah. And the fact that his work is beautiful all the time. Yeah. 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 I was just studying, um, the cinematography to seven. It's top 10 mm. most beautiful, even though the subject matter is very harsh and dark and horrible. <laughs> Cinema cinematically, it's top ten for me of the most beautiful films ever made, in my opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, aside from the subject matter, obviously, but just cinematically, filmically done, sure. it's it's brilliant. It's really like if you really sit there and kind of study it, it's it's crazy how good that is. <laughs> like, it's very you know, well thought in the process, and most of these movies, I I really love one of uh, his movies, maybe. It's the one, uh, Social Network. Yeah, Social Network is like a fine-tuned um, machine. It's like you could really start to see him really tuning his yeah. style. Yeah. yeah, and let's say the beginning of the movie, they have the two characters have a conversation in the bar. Then uh, they have this conversation about going into a club or something like that. Yeah. The girl bag and the girl. And then she leaves him alone. And so he, he goes out of the bar and walks, he walks to his, I think, apartment or something like that. And this scene is brilliant in many levels. I think, to me, actually, the power of the music, the framing, the cars. And that's very interesting because I guess it maybe brings another subject is uh, script. And I think when you read the script, let's say, of this scene, uh, the most important thing when you read the script is the conversation between the girl and the guy, right? Yeah. And this moment where he is out and he's working alone in the cold to uh, go to his apartment, it's like a few lines in the script, but it's something very powerful on the screen. So I guess as a director, you have to be able to see a script like in four dimensions, right? Yes. It's like the script, the scene, the dialogue, and also what happened on the screen and be able to see the details and the macro. Always <laughs> yeah. zoom in, de zoom out. That's why I think, to, back, to be back to what I said at the beginning, I think architects and filmmakers are in a way sort of brothers. Mm. It's a gymnastic of the mind that is very particular. And I think, yeah, Fincher and so many of us are very, very good at it. Yeah, when when you when you try to study it from afar, you start to see the brilliance of it, and it's almost like you're you're trying to um, equate what he did or and his team did. It's almost like studying, say, like Da Vinci or something. Like when yeah. you're looking at his work after the fact, you kind of get lost in the brilliance of it, and then it kind of becomes myth almost because it's almost like how did they think of all these things but the thing is that they're it's because they're in their essence you know of being themselves you know in their complete essence of just complete originality and thought and i think mm -hmm. that's really the trick because uh, sometimes i think it's it, we all have a tendency to overstudy um yeah filmmakers I mean, and 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 we romanticize about them and 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that they kind of offer us creatively, we kind of get lost in like, Oh, this, this oh, is, geez. you know, it becomes almost religion and it's actually, <laughs> a, it's unhealthy too, because then yeah. there's these rules that happen. And then you see it a lot with, um, I was just talking about this with a friend last night. Um, and it's a kind of a conundrum. I, it's a problem that I have when I'm creating something is like when I study an artist too close, um, the problem is, is I, I worry about them and their style kind of influencing me beyond like a good, healthy amount. You know, it's like, mm. it's almost like they're becoming, I'm trying to become them and it's, I'm not being loyal to my own intentions. And yeah, um, it's very, um, it's difficult to keep a distance. Yeah. It is because I think it's like you, it's almost like, um, we're raised by, you know, our family and our mom and dad. And, and, and then we eventually leave that situation and go out into the world and we, we create new mothers and fathers and, and the, mm. and as, as artists, we create them in other artists. Like we go like, Oh, like Da Vinci is this brilliant person. Oh, it's like very similarly akin and connected to like, um, you know, my father or my mother or something, they become your new fathers and dads in your new, uh, uh, in your new look of, of art, you know, whether we know that or not, I think that's really what happens. And the problem is, is is if you never outgrow your parents, um, then you kind of sit there as a reflection of them. And I think that's a problem. So, um, and then you don't take your own voice, even if your voice is not very good or it's quite shit in the beginning, I think it's okay because it eventually refines and gets better uh, as time, you know, goes on. So, but yeah. Yeah. Taking inspiration, but not mimic the thing. It's, uh, yeah, it's not easy sometimes. No, it isn't. Yeah. When you love so much a thing, it's easy to get lost in it and to replicate be a clone in a way it's uh, it's easy but i mean maybe it's part of the process also yeah i think it is um and so like i was talking with a friend i'm making this star wars film and we were talking we we're analyzing and articulating um other films and he was showing me scenes and we were and i was like we were actually looking at um like raiders of the lost ark which is just so brilliant mm-hmm. it's so good and <laughs> and i was explaining to him like as much as i love that movie I kind of have to go on my own and not look at these references too closely because it's actually, I find it almost insulting sometimes when I watch a movie and I feel the influence so heavily like, Oh, yeah. that's very David Fincher or that's very Spielberg. And I feel like it's almost a crime that that artist didn't just do their thing. And even if I didn't like it, um, at least they fell into their own voice, you know, like, you have extremes like Lars von Trier is a very extreme side of that, um, where he's very much himself or David Lynch is very much his own creative self. Um, but then you have the extremes where you have the opposite, where you have like a, I guess like a David Fincher is a perfect example, especially his early work where he's kind of a culmination, a combination of many great things. Um, Mm. and then you see it really evolve. And I think the social network is like a perfect example of like, his machine in full swing, fully attuned. It's like, it's like David Fincher at his, at his essence, you know, like very calculated and very concise. But if you watch like say aliens three, which I know that was a hard production for him. Yeah. It was, it seems to be, yeah. And it was hard to do. 
Yeah, because I think it was they were hiring him to kind of control him because he was a uh, video, like a music video director. Um, but yeah, but then if you watch Zodiac, you kind of watch the conciseness. And I think the the thing that we're all appealed, what's really appealing about him, to me at least, is his openness to share his process, which is beautiful. But also, like you can kind of see his filmmaking in the works once you kind of see it you can kind of see it working, but the brilliance of it is it's almost impossible to mimic. <laughs> yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think I was, um, a movie from him that was very impact. had a lot of impact on me. It's very, it's very underrated. I think it's panic room. Mm-hmm. Okay. That he did just after fight club. Mm-hmm. The theme, uh, the beauty of the shots, the beauty of the cinematography in it, because I, I I found it very beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was very uh, impressed by a shot. There is a big shot in the mill in the film that goes from the up of the house down in the front of the house in the back, and most of the shot is in three D. Yeah, that big that big moving shot through everything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I was impressed because you. <laughs> It's like elegant 3D. You don't notice. Yeah, and especially in its time. Like, so with, with his work, is it can be very elegant in a way. You know? Yeah. A, yeah well, he, he's been in, around for quite some time. I think he even worked on um, Empire Strikes Back. I think he was like, mm. he's been around in like ILM and stuff in since those days. But he's a very smart guy. Um yeah, and yeah, it's really cool. I'm really curious to see what he's up to next. I, every time, um, there's a couple directors that no matter what they make, I just go and see it in the theater because I just want to experience it. And he's one of them um, that I really, um, I wasn't a big fan of Gone Girl. I think Gone Girl went right past my head. I don't know why. Um, I There were some brilliant moments to it, but I think I just didn't like the characters or something about the, the main intentions of the film just felt very flat to me um personally but i have friends that really enjoyed it which is great and that's another thing i love about films it's like they're just like books you know uh yeah. our music it's the same thing you know it's like okay not one uh, is better than the other so yeah and i have difficulties to criticize uh, a film like saying it's i can't say that i don't like it but i can't say that it's very bad yeah. because when you think about it, the people involved in it, the work, how many hours they work on it, you cannot just say, come on, it's, it's shit. It's not <laughs> Yeah, it's well, not- you could. It's just, I think it's not articulate enough, you know? So, yeah. And it's not fair to the process of it, too. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just it, say it's not for me. That's my new thing. I say, oh, it's just not for me. So Yeah, exactly. I can say that it's not my taste, maybe, right? Yeah. Uh, say this, uh, the Avengers movies, I respect a lot the creation because yeah. the work is incredible, incredible, but it's not my taste. I haven't seen two movies of the, the, the whole thing, right? Yeah. Not even, but I respect deeply the work, the people that work on this. Yeah, it's it's moving paintings. I think Scorsese said something recently where I, I or maybe it wasn't, but he yeah. was saying that it was like that's more of a roller coaster and it's not it's not really like cinema. And I thought that was a really interesting thing for him to say. Yeah, and you kind of you have to with him. 
was he that? Said something, he said something very interesting about uh, uh, to see the cinema as an art form, which is something we kind of lose little by little with the, um, the, the numbers of films that comes out with uh, very extreme uh, reason um, and, and, and stuff like that. So when he, I think I, I, I read the same article as you uh, about uh, the movie that is coming out, like The Irishman, right? Mm-hmm. And he explained that he sees cinema as an art form. And that's something I really like. The yeah. idea of uh, experiment with cinema. Yeah, it's... Um... Yeah. And and that's his approach too, which is really interesting, you know? And, um, I think the real key that I've learned from all this and and film, and I know we're kind of focusing our conversation on film, but uh, maybe it's just because that's my life and I'm completely living it. But I think with, with all that, it's also what I have to tell myself is Scorsese is his own opinion and he's gotten through his own journey. He's created amazing films and films that are really powerful, but the same time no matter what he says it they're still his opinions you know so it's almost like mm-hmm. i have to remember that i need to establish and build my own um and so the feeling i get when i watch say like avengers which i didn't really watch that film i watched a little bit of it just for the essence of like the the visuals um, yeah. um i i i just um i don't know i i find that i'm like so the last film that i saw in the theater that i really uh, was kind of taken away emotionally by was uh, Joker. Have you seen that yet? No, not yet. He's on my mm. list or so. Yeah. But not yet. Yeah, you really need to see it. And I hope you can see it in the theater because it's actually very important to see it in the theater um, in its true format. It's because, uh, yeah, I would highly suggest you see it in the theater. It's almost like the essence of like reading a book but like not reading a book on with the paper and like reading it in the sun or something. Like if you watch it on at home or something, I think it, it would hinder your experience almost, you know, you need to see it because it's really good and it's really, um, it's very special film. So, yeah. And those films only come around so often when I watched it, I watched it with my wife. And after that I looked at her and I said, "I, I really can't believe that I just, we just watched that. I can't believe that that film just got made. I was really quite, quite blown away emotionally by it as well but yeah i highly suggest it yeah i i have to see it as um, maybe in the coming days and it makes me think of uh, a movie that uh, deeply moved me this year um it's a chinese movie uh named um, a long day's journey into the night from uh uh, the director is uh, Chinese. It's Bigan, Bigan, Bigan. Yeah. This movie is uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's beautiful. It deeply moved me. I was obsessed with this movie. Mm. Yeah, a long day journey into the night. Have you watched it? I haven't. I really love that China cinema is rising. I love that Korean like cinema is rising. Um, I like there it was a big success recently that we had this film called Parasite and it was like in theaters yeah. everywhere here and that's like that's a big deal um, because that's you know five ten years ago I don't think we'd really had that unless I wasn't paying attention but like films like Old Boy or I Saw the Devil and all these kind of different heavy Korean films um, 
they weren't really, uh, I don't think yeah. they were as revered in, in the American cinema system, which is its own bubble, you know, uh, understandably exactly. it's a mechanism, basically it's a big, it's a, it's an economy basically. So, um, but I will, I'll definitely watch this because, uh, I have yeah. a, I'm going flying to Japan tomorrow. So, I'll, oh yeah. But this, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was in Japan a few months ago. Oh really? I, First time? No, no. I have, uh, I've been there several times. I, oh, cool. I have family in Japan. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. I, what part yeah, of Japan? Japan? It's home to me. It's home. Yeah. What part of Japan? Um, uh, they were in uh, Yokohama at the beginning. Now they are in Tokyo. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been in Yokohama several times and in Tokyo. Yeah. Several times or so. Yeah. yeah. I really love Japan. it. Yeah, it's really, really particular, but it's damn beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> On many, many levels. It's very cinematic. It's very cinematic. And the fun thing is, I was a, a few months ago in Japan, and I, at that moment, I just buy, bought uh, a video camera because mm. I want to film. And I went to Japan instantly with the camera, and I spent like, the three weeks filming all day, <laughs> all, like pure enjoyment, pure creation, filming all day. Everything I saw, I, want, I wanted to film it. So, yeah, I love Japan deeply. And what did you end up doing with that? Because I think that um, that was my first. I've tra- I've been to Japan. Um, yeah, three, I saw three times three, now. Yeah, several times, and I saw um, you did like. Um, because I did my homework today, I watched uh, some of your projects to kind of refresh my memories. Oh, and I saw uh, the Nihon project, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah it's um, it's really cool. And yeah, you can feel that I can feel that you love Japan a lot. Yeah, which I really love it. Me with you because Japan is something clearly. Yeah, it's very, um, it's super unique and very interesting. I grew, I grew up in Hawaii, and Hawaii is very connected to the culture of Japan yeah. because it is quite close to Japan, but at the same time, just yeah. the the history. Um, and uh, yeah, like going to Japan, it just it's hard to explain. I know I'm like a a white American male, but I feel like I'm like a Japanese person <laughs> inside or something. Yeah. Very, very connected to. Um, I, things there. I truly believe that there are uh, places on the planet where you feel good. You don't know why. You wake up early. You feel good. Yeah. You, everything is like a sweet flow on you. Uh, and Japan is that for me, really. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had this camera, and I film a lot. A lot, a lot. What so did I, you end up doing with all that footage? Did you make something or you, did you just do it because you wanted to just try and capture the essence of it? I I made a, a little thing uh, called Neon Jin. Uh, it's like a, a more a mood piece I did with uh, some of the footage. I still have really a lot of footage, but I'm working on um, my first film. So I, I, I knew that when I went to Japan. I had some already some ideas. So I think I will use it for my film that I'm working on right now. Mm, 
That's awesome. This will be your first uh, um, kind of take into the world of filmmaking? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because so far I was doing a lot of still images. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to go more in movement now. I don't know. I want to tell stories. And I think I practice a lot of still images because I wanted to learn composition and light and, and stuff like that. And <clears throat> I think it's very natural for me now to film in a way because I did a lot of photography too and I wanted a camera that just do uh, film, not uh, photo camera. Okay. You know, you have some DSLR now that do photos and film at the same time on the yeah. same camera. Yeah. So I choose one that is just a movie camera. Ah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I have one that does both. I actually I have a I just sold my R, my A7R2 which is like really mainly for photography, but I have a A7 III that does both pretty well. Um but I I just bought the a Blackmagic Black oh, yeah. camera 6K. That's, that's, that's what I I don't have the 6K, I have the 4K. I think yeah. I'm going to the 6 soon, but yeah, it's beautiful piece. Of yeah, it's beautiful. The the data, the rawness of the color is really. Uh, yeah, the color science is beautiful. Yeah, it's the best. I think it's 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 probably the best attribute that it has, and I really wanted it's to bring it to heavy. Japan, but it's I was like, oh, it's a that? bit heavy. It's a bit heavy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit heavy. After a long day with a gimbal and the camera on it. You you enjoy the beer you have in the bar. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, yeah, uh, my setup is quite huge now, and yeah, yes. I'm I'm trying to figure out. Well, I will be shooting Star Wars with it. Um, well, my DOP will be shooting with this camera that I have. Um, mm. But yeah, we got it for the production, but probably filming everything else. But I think um, I'm just going to bring my Sony with me. And I and I have an anamorphic setup. I'm only going to bring that. I'm not going to bring because the last time I was in Japan, I I had the this this lens that I used everywhere that I really loved. It was my 70 to 200 millimeter lens. But okay, okay. But now I'm going to only use my anamorphic setup. So and it's fixed basically. So I have to find a new way to see things, which I think is fun. It'll be a fun challenge. So yeah, yeah. I tested yeah, it out in New York, so it was good. <laughs> Yeah, I saw some pictures. It's really beautiful. It's really you. beautiful. You clearly have um, something with composition and light. You clearly have a, a really good eye. Oh, thank so, you. It's just, uh, I, I, I think, um, I think it's like you know, probably the same experience for you is just you have an essence of a feeling, like an inspiration or a muse or a desire, and. For me, it's like the desire is simply just to create and want to create more and never stopping. And photography exactly. is something that I've always loved. And I feel like I'm, it's something that I, I really want to start dedicating my life to more um, and actually filming, making films and being a director of photography seems like something that I, I, I always thought that I wanted to be a director and I realized um, how difficult it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost too difficult and out yeah. of comfort it's 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 not even what you think it is you think oh it's like i get to do yeah. these things you're actually just mainly just doing calls and emails mainly <laughs> yeah, yeah and fighting a lot yes fighting a lot to make a 
even big directors they fight a lot yeah really scott has to fight for budgets and it's like it's crazy because you would think that the the godfather of cinema in many regards like making blade runner and alien like he he still has to fight for things and actually actually really important and i think it's very good to do that um um because you need to always be humbled um but yeah it's uh I think with the director of photography, though, it appeals to the to the visual side of storytelling. And when I listen to Roger Deakin explain how he processes scripts and stuff, I go, oh, that's really how I like to look at things. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And um, yeah, it seems very difficult. And sometimes when I look to directors that I admire and I look at the age they do their first movies. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> depressed. Yeah. Like the, the movie I told you about, like long days journey into, into the night. The director is only 28. Oh, I hate him. <laughs> I hate him a lot. <laughs> and I, I saw some of his talk and it's very, it's beautiful and it's frustrating at the same time. To be able to do that at 28, man, so I go back to my desk and work. <laughs> That's the only solution. You go back to your desk and you work. Yeah. I I've, I mean, I think that you learned that probably from Gareth because Gareth would do that game too where he would look at like how old his favorite directors were when they were yeah, making the work. Yeah, we discussed about that. We discussed about that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that... Um, it's, it's a good thing and a bad thing too um, because the thing I realize, I'm 36 now, it's always been on a bucket list of mine to make like a feature film length or something in that realm. Um, by the time I'm 40 years old, I'm going to try, I'm trying my best. I'm really working towards it. Um, but at the same time, I'm starting to realize that my goals and my ideas and inspiration and what I thought was what I wanted is actually shifting. Um, and I'm, I think it's important to always listen to yourself. Like you, Oh, you thought you wanted to do this. Like it's even a perfect example is like, Oh, I thought I really wanted to do CGI. Um, stuff but then when I do it it makes me very um, angry like when I do CGI it makes me very like like damn it I'm this is annoying (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because uh, computers have updates and problems and driver issues and and by the time you get to actually make the art it's it's like hours into the process and it's very annoying and it's mainly because I'm by myself and I have to be a tech guy as well and that's very annoying so (laughs) so It's not like it's not like this easy, fun thing. It takes so much yeah, time and effort. Um, just polymodeling alone is is a is a is an endeavor. Um, yeah, and it makes me think of something. And I guess you know the work of Alberto Mielgo. Yes, right? of course. He's amazing. Yes, I'm totally. Yes. I admire. He's a his he's work. an artist. He's a very true direct artist. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, by own meanings, yeah, he's, he's an artist. And when you look at, because sometimes telling a story can be very simple in a way. And when you look at uh, his um, animatics he did for the beginning of the research on Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? Yeah. He published uh, recently the animatics. Yeah. It seems, it looks very simple because it's pen on paper and stuff like that, but it's brilliant. It's damn brilliant. And you, I, I, I look at that several times and I'm like, wow, <laughs> every time. And it's not, not even 3D, not even complex lighting, not even uh, UV mapping, topology, substance paper, or whatever. It's just pure 
genius. <laughs> it's pure Alberto being himself. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And that's and what you're appealing. It's it's he's he's in his essence of being. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's why I agree with you with the fact that sometimes a computer can kind of make your work unconsciously more generic and less you because the filter between your brain and the mouse or the, the Wacom and the computer can be very frustrating from time to time, right? It's not pure, uh, it's not direct sometimes. You have to uh, solve a problem of uh, modeling of, let's say, a texture that does not apply the way you want, etc., etc. It can <laughs> yeah. be very long and boring. So you kind of lose the flow in a way. Yeah. And when I saw the work, the animatics of Spider-Man, it's like pure flow, pure flow, pure style and pure flow. Yeah, it's, it's purely him. That's what's great. Yeah. And I think that it's very, it's kind of rare now. And that's what I meant about like being so focused on, say, David Fincher or these other artists um, yeah. is because we lose our own innocence of originality um, by studying these people too much. And I think that it, it can actually cause more harm. Um, and I think people like Alberto is a perfect example of an artist that like, what if he only studied what Fincher did and you would see it in his work and you would feel it and it would feel harder. It would be, it would, it would just feel like he was trying to do David Fincher rather than just be himself, you know, and take a risk. I think the real problem is, is that it's just a risky thing. And a lot of us, myself included, it's just, sometimes we don't want to take the risk in, 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 in the effect of it. And especially now living in like an algorithm, um, lifestyle, I guess, um, with, you know, Instagram and likes and systems and all these kind of things. Like it's somewhat dangerous, I think, um, to take risks. Um, but yeah. I think it's really important and you should only just do the work that you're most passionate about. Because I think if you, if you don't, I feel like you're not living your best version of yourself, you know? And I think it's a hindrance to, uh, yourself and the humanity too, because you might have the most amazing thing inside of you, but if you only try to mimic other people, um, you're actually not going to reveal your true essence. And yeah, yeah, I think finding who you are and doing what you love is the, I guess it's the definition definition of success, right? It's being successful is finding who you are, it's a success yeah. way and that leads to happiness also. Because yeah, as you said, sometimes when you create things that are too much influenced by other people and you are not yourself enough, it can lead you to be angry in a way. It can lead you to be frustrating and taking a risk of being who you are and at least, at least finding, fight, finding who you are is a success and can lead to happiness in a way. Absolutely. That's, I can say it better. I think that's exactly it. And I think it's just a matter of being your true essence, your true self, you know, and I think that's why we all really love. And I think the thing I was going to say is the risk of, of, of not doing that is because um, we're worried that, you know, I, I like a lot of times I'll look at, let's say like, um, I think it's a uh, Kim Jung Ji, I think the, the amazing yeah, yeah. artist that does those line yeah. art, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. What if he Mas just 
decided to stop doing that one day and then he just wanted to make like music, you know, like what if he started making like, I don't know, hip hop beats or something. Yeah. And, and then people would be mad, you know, cause they'd be like, what the fuck? You know, like <laughs> I, where's your line art? Where's your drawings? And, um, I he remember to join a tribe called quest. Yeah. He say. wanted to make beats because that was what his passion was his whole life. He didn't know it. I'm, I'm just making this up. Obviously. I don't know who, I don't know him. And yeah. you know, I don't know, but, but I'm just using him as an example because he's like one of those artists that kind of came out really heavy and, yeah. and um, made a huge impact. But I think, um, I get kind of exhausted of his work in a sense. Um, I think mm. it's really beautiful and it's amazing that he does it, but, I have some of his books too, but I find that once I get over the fact that he's the magic trick, I kind of go, okay, cool. Like, so you're, you're like a, you can draw from your mind at exceptional rate, but what else, you know, I don't know if, and yeah. I'm not saying anything bad I, and I really appreciate no, his work. Like a performance. performance yeah. Thing, right? yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's the fact we can agree is not human, right? He's yeah. Not human. <laughs> he's something else. He's not human. We yeah. agree with that. Well, it, the great thing is, is, uh, he is, and that's the beautiful thing is in that he, he's showing us all. And I think, um, he's showing us all that what we're capable of with extreme focus and extreme dedication to our craft, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. That's go back to the beginning of our conversation. Reading a book is being focused. And when I think it draws, it seems to be extremely focused to like to, in a way to narrow is a uh, lens, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You can see it in his, um, like I've seen him in person drawing and you can kind of see it the way that he's processing. He's almost like touching into the inside of his ether and his mind and he's kind of pulling things out. Um, mm. and he's kind of just letting things go. Um, yeah, I, and that's the brilliance of it. He's a, he's a, a human that lives today and he's doing that. And that's really the brilliance of it. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, and I think, like I said, it's like, what if he decided to stop doing line art drawing and he started making beats or something, you know, like what if that was his passion, but all along he did art or something and, and, um, people would be upset about that, but eventually they'd get over it, I think. And, and they would, you know, he would have a new audience. It's just, um, that's the, that's one of the big qualms I have with this is that because, uh, because the way that our system of um, likes and all that kind of stuff, it's really shifted and changed art in a lot of ways, I think. Um, in like People places like, expect things from you, right? I think so. I think they expect things from you, but I think it's, um, and I think that ruins the art, really. I think it does. I think it removes individuality. And so that's why I praise and I, and I love and I, and I and admire artists like Alberto because... And yeah. even Kim, like he, like how amazing his art is. Like all of those guys who are really being themselves, I really praise them. And I, and if if Alberto decided to go off and do some weird, different thing, I'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. Like I might not love it as much as the other thing, but I do love and appreciate that you're following yourself. You know, totally. Yeah. So it's a risky yeah. thing, though. So, but yeah, it's yeah. really cool, though. But yeah, man, there's a. Uh, Damn, the time goes by really fast when we get going. Yeah. It's like we got to get going here. But it was really great talking with you. I'm really excited and thank and really happy for you. We just met, but I'm really happy to hear that your art is connected, especially with somebody like Gareth, because I think it's an 
it's in great hands. I've heard nothing but great things about him. And, um, I think that sounds like it's going to be a really great journey for you. So I'm really excited to see where that come, goes and, um, yeah. and congratulations too. It's awesome. I love, I love it when, uh, friends and artists and just, um, collaborators uh, follow their passions and find these, these amazing windows of success. And it's just like, it's the, it's the best thing. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. I, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, I still have so much to learn, but yeah, the journey is really cool and it feels like uh, a natural evolution for me, like doing what I love is something important. So yeah, I'm very happy right now, which is cool. Right, there it is everybody hope you all enjoyed that episode big thank yous to thomas for coming on and sharing his time with us this week you can find links to the show notes of this week's episode at thecollectivepodcast.com slash 219 along with all the show notes and all that good stuff um yeah i'm just really enjoying this uh it's we've been doing this podcast for quite some time now and uh every time i go out and travel and i encounter fans of the show you guys are so kind and so nice and Uh, I just appreciate it. So I wanted to send a little extra love at the end of this episode and just thank you all. Go out there, be powerful, be prolific. Peace out, everybody.